Welcome film industry professionals, film buffs, and aspiring filmmakers. This is the Cinema Pathway Podcast presented by Paradoxical Films. And I'm your host, Michael Angelo Malachi. Guys, join us on a journey behind the camera and most importantly, beyond what we know about cinema and the craft of filmmaking. So sit down, grab your popcorn, drink your soda, and let's ride the cinema road together with Cinema Pathway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is 2024. Welcome back to all listeners across the world to your new film family, Cinema Pathway Podcast, with your host, Michael Angelo Malachi Malachi. This podcast is for film buffs, film lovers, film critics, people who make films, people who watch films, and people who just like to talk film. You found your new familia, your family. Now, do it with passion or not at all. These are the famous words of our next guest, who I'm deeming the next Franklin D. Roosevelt of the acting world and the premier acting coach to the stars, Miss Passion Pise Roosevelt. As founder and CEO of Pise Entertainment, she has successfully produced works in almost every aspect of the art and entertainment world, including stage plays, fashion wars, theatrical talk forums, and acting and modeling workshops for over 10 years. Where do you find the time to do stuff? I don't know. All right. This driving force of passion is also a casting director, a certified life coach, a writer, motivational speaker, and last, like one of our last guests, uh, Miss Juliet Romeo. She is a sickle cell disease survivor. My goodness. Uh, With those kinds of accomplishments, we are so grateful to have passion to the podcast. Take a bow. How do you feel? <laughs> I know you feel like the cheers in the background, right? Exactly. So where did Pisay come from? Because I've never heard anybody named Passion or Pisay. Yes. Pisay was given to me by my brother. God bless the dead. Um, my brother, he because he used to come around our house. And every time somebody will talk to him, they'll say, well, Pisay, I should do this. Pisay, I should do that. He say, Pisay, Pisay, Pisay. He was like, I'm going to start calling you Pisay because people are always listening to what you tell them to do. And it stuck because before that, my nickname used to be Passion Fruit. Oh. And once he said that Pisay, it just took off. People who I see that went to school with me in elementary, when I see them yeah. somewhere in the store, they're like, hey, Pisay. I'm like, you don't even know me of being Pisay. You're Passion Fruit Pisay Roosevelt. <laughs> yes. We just added that. We just added now, that. Now, let me yeah. tell you, I know you've had a controversial upbringing when right. you were a kid. You wheel of guns, dated drug dealers. That's pretty big. I mean, from the hood, right? And everyone knows, you know, the hood in Hollywood have a, a lot very similar to it. Right. You know, we kind of all run in the same circles. Right. There's the head, there's the tail. When was the moment that you realized that you can use that background to what you're doing to today. Well, it always stems from your childhood that lets you, believe it or not, your childhood is your foundation for who you will be as an adult. You could do all the changing and transformations in the world, but you still gonna have that foundation of your childhood that shows it's like a peek into mm-hmm. who you would be in the future. You could either 
take that childhood and continue to be that all day, every day. Or you could take a piece of that and start transforming into something that could go off your childhood, but even greater. Wow. So wielding guns gave you that strength and that Dang, passion. you just don't go right in Yes, there. I am going to go right in there because people <laughs> want to know. I mean... Obviously, I've already listed everything you're a part of, right? Right. You're an acting coach. You're a writer. Right. How does that relate to film? Having that kind of bravery to wield the gun when you were younger. How right. does that relate to giving the strength to women and men in working in film today? Well, when I was younger, um, I used to be with other girls and we, we were given the name the Brat Pack. Then some people looked at us like, are y'all a gang? And we like, no, we're not a gang. We're actually smart. You know, <laughs> we we actually get A's and B's and everything. And all of us are in the band or running track, cheer or whatever. But I found myself being the the protector of the group. It's because, you know, I ain't, I'm not nothing but five, six. But the rest of the girls was probably like five feet, five, two, five, three. So they were shorter. So, you know, the short girls used to always get teased and picked on. Hmm. Then you have me that looked like a big old... Amazon that's six. I was smaller and thinner, but I'm five, six, much taller than them. So I had to be their protector. And when it came to the guns, that's because for some odd reason, I wasn't born in the hood, as mm. they say, because I'm from Carroll City. Mm. <laughs> and they say that's not the hood. Yeah. But I was, um, how can you say? It was like a magnet. Like I always found myself connecting with the hardcore people, whether they stayed in my area or across town or whatever. It was easy for me to attach myself to them till I started dating some drug dealers. And, you know, when you when you date in drug dealers, um, you pick up their lifestyles. You could either start selling drugs, too, which I never did. Thank God of that. But I picked up the, the carrying the weapons to protect myself because you never know what was going to happen. I used to be a fighter. Me and one of my friends who I consider a sister, we used to just fight people. We'll we'll be driving down the streets, see some girls we don't like sitting on the bus stop. I stop the car in the middle of the road. We'll get out the car and go and fight them, beat them up and get back in the car and drive off like it wasn't nothing. Like we just went to McDonald's and got something to eat. Oh, so when the next production doesn't uh, pay you what you deserve, that's exactly what you'll go to? Ooh, <laughs> look at you. But Joking. no, it came no, when it, when it, with the guns. Yeah. It wasn't nothing that I was showcasing and trying to show people I'm bad, I'm badder than you, whatever. It was, like I said, to protect myself, people around me, definitely when I was around the drug dealers and their spacing. But it was one moment when I came home and I came home probably like three in the morning and I'm asking my mom, why are you still up? And she said, oh, you home. And then she went and laid down and I went to my room and was like, wait, so she do that every night until I get home? That hit the core of my heart that my mom have to sit up not knowing if I'm going to make it in the streets today, that she can't even get her own sleep because she worrying about me. I put the guns up right then and there. You know, it's funny. Your story is very similar to the film world mm -hmm. as actors, as directors, as producers, as, as writers, as people in the industry. We have to find that kind of strength and resilience to stand up for our work. Right. So basically your background helped you to become a stronger person right. in the industry now where you don't take people's mess. Right. Where you don't take no for an answer. Right. And you stand up for your work. Right. People forget that, I hate to say it this way, but the film industry, the entertainment industry, Hollywood can be a very dangerous place. Yes. People can steal your work. 
People can steal your identity. People can force you to make films that fit their agenda. Right. And this is something that most people don't really talk about because they're scared, because they're afraid of the retaliation. But your background gave you the strength to say, you know what? I made it through this. I can make it through this world as well. Right. Now, of these skills that you possess, right? The acting coach, life coach, writer, which one has been the most beneficial to your film work and how has it solidified your place in the film world? Because everything stemmed from me acting as a child and it, it opened me up to the directing, the life coaching, the acting coaching. So the acting coaching really came on as because uh, I was I used to be a manager of a rap group with six guys and I actually was taking Repo them crew. No, clicked up. Oh, clicked Repo up. Crew was the, the rap group I was in. Oh, gotcha. Clicked up. And I actually was taking them to an audition to see can they be on the um, soundtrack. And when I got in there, I saw who the director was. Me and him had them work together acting on a project. And he was like, you got to be in my project. And I was like, no, I brought the group. Like, no, I got it. Okay, here for them. Yeah. And he was like, no, I need you on board. And he said, I also need you to coach some of the actors who I cast. And I'm like... So you had on-the-spot training. It was like, let's go on the spot. I need you to do it. And from there, people just started calling me to be an acting coach. I need you to do a workshop. I need you to come to my class. And I was like, okay, let's go. Did you go to school for acting before that? I took classes in acting and I also went to college for film. So, Oh, where'd you go? I went to, it's called Miami International University Design Arts and Design now, but it used to be called International Fine Arts College. And that's where they taught you how to act. No, they didn't. No, that one was for film. Okay. My acting came from just uh, like the YMCA's, the Jessica's community um, centers. Okay. Yeah. See, a lot of people, they don't realize that, of course, I'm not knocking school. School is absolutely amazing. We right. need an education. Right. So anyone listening to this podcast, please go out and get an education. Right. I went to New World School of the Arts myself, Miami-Dade College. So that's wonderful. My daughter go to New World right now. But people forget that life experiences like the YMCA sometimes teach you more yes. than any classroom ever will. Right. That's why your rough upbringing, the YMCA, those are on the spot training sessions. People don't realize this. They think that you have to have uh, instruction by some major professor or or go into a thousand dollars into debt. Right. There's a lot of student debt right now, especially for people in the film industry, the acting industry, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 dollars. They're still paying off today because they felt that they had to do this. If this is the lesson that Miss Passion Peace Say Roosevelt is teaching you. Learn everything from your life experiences. You Every experience you have in life, that is your classroom. It Don't is. dismiss it because it's from a certain neighborhood or because it doesn't look the way you think it is, right? Correct. Use that as a vehicle to move forward when you're doing any kind of acting audition like we were talking about before right the acting directors they don't want to see a cookie cutter version of some famous actor that you know on screen they want your spirit they want the way you speak they want your experiences because no one else has those experiences and above all else, they want the passion. You're right about that because I know when I'm doing my casting director, whenever I'm booked to be the casting director on films, I don't even like people to bring me their resumes. Really? Because I, I, I don't care for who you didn't work with and what you've done. I want to see what you could do today. On the spot. For our production. That is a big revelation. Because, you know, they, they love putting certain names because they like, okay, if I put this name and say I work with this person. I'm in. 
I'm in. Mm. It's like, no, because he he or she directed you a certain way. We need to know, can you follow our direction? So resumes get you in the door. Your but it don't necessarily ex- get you the part. Mm. So we're not knocking resumes. Again, right. it's beautiful. Headshot, right. resume, like a professional actor. It's a wonderful thing. Right. Just like in any job, you have to have see, some what kind you of work just experience. Said, it, yeah. When I do look at resumes, I don't necessarily look at who you done worked with. I go straight to the skills and the education to see have you took any trainings, mm. to see if you studied with anybody, yeah. to see what skills you have. Because if you put that your only skill is acting, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to tell you that you haven't discovered yourself. Because yeah. if you somebody say, oh, I love cooking. I'm always the person that's cooking for my family. Why cooking is not on here as a skill? Because everybody don't know how to cook. Mm. And then I'm pretty sure you didn't saw some movies where they have somebody in the kitchen cooking. And that's a skill. Because if you get that role, your scene's supposed to have you cooking, but you got the fork when you really need the spoon. <laughs> you going to mess up the whole scene. Yeah. So that's a skill. But people don't take the time out to develop their skills, their talent. They just want to make their resume look good or they copy it from somebody else and figure, oh, okay, I'm going to just go with this. Don't put that you're a rollerblader on there. And you can't do it. And then you can't do it. You're like, no, I just need the regular skates. No, you say that you rollerblade. And then sometimes it bites you in the butt, right? It bites you in the butt, right? Yes. I mean, how many times have you been on set? And someone put that they could do something and then they realized they couldn't. Has that ever happened to you? No, it was, it was totally opposite. They'll tell me they can't do anything and then I'll show them that they can. I like that. So I think one of the reasons why you're a life coach or you're an acting coach is because you coach things out of people. Right. You don't tell them no. Right. Where a lot of these production companies or an auditioner will automatically dismiss them and say, oh, next, because we have 20, 30, 40 other people who are willing to have this role at a moment's notice. But you're the opposite of that. You bring out the jewel in them. Guys, please, I'm telling you, Miss Passion Pisa Roosevelt, (laughs) get her number. It goes back to what I was just saying about the casting director. Yeah. I always tell the it's the director, producer, if you're going to cast me as your casting director, please let me have that room. Meaning, let me work with the actors because sometimes they'll come in there because, you know, they get the script yeah. in the lobby. Then they come in and they read. The producer, or the director, or anybody else could say, oh, they don't sound good. Let's just go to the next person. I'm like, hold up. Can you put that script down for a minute? Okay, I want you to do this scene right here and I want you to be this type of person and I'm going to give you these words to say next thing you know they kill it they're brilliant brilliant wow and next thing you know you had a director and a producer like how did you see that and it, if for some reason i'm always getting people say you see things in others that they don't see in themselves and that's what passion came from huh you bring the passion out hey it's just <laughs> in me <laughs> now I, I have to ask this before we, we stop i think what is a repro crew right yes. your first national debut was a lead rapper in the highly acclaimed rap group repro crew which toured nationally from 1992 to 1994 hey 90s hey. right you were a lead rapper right obviously as a rapper you have to be quick on your feet and you have to tell a story in a certain rhythm right very right. similar to what filmmakers and directors and writers do now how has that affected the way you approach a role or the way you coach someone now? How's that how's that experience been put into action with your film work? Uh, when we was act when we was rapping, it taught me how to quickly be on your feet because sometimes you would be in the studio and you would be rapping one thing and the producer would say, No, I don't want that. I need something else. And you looking like, but I spent all week writing this and now you want me to change it to something else. You don't have time to to go and study and go and write and you know so you 
you learn how to start adapting real quick. And I took that into the acting world. Very similar to a role, right? Where an actor has been studying something for months. Oh, but these lines go this way and I have it set this way. And I already have predetermined the way I'm supposed to say things and do things very actory, not authentic or rehearsed. So what do you do in those moments when you have to be authentic, when you have to change it around as a rapper? It gave you that stamina and it gave you the, the will, right? And the skill to change it on the spot. And many actors they lose that. They forget that as an actor, you have to be, you have to improv. Because they in their head. And that's why I love improv. Yes. Improv don't give you time to overthink. You just got to do it. And that's why I love stage acting. Because you have to, when you on that stage, you don't have time for them to say cut, redo. It's on the stage, lights, let's go. If most actors would approach their role, like you're doing it on stage where you can't call cut. Because I'll be honest with you. Calling cut is like, uh, is a crutch. Okay. A lot of people are like, oh, I can do it again three, four times. No, do it every time. Every time that that director calls action, do it like you're doing it for the first and the last time in your life. Yes. Don't overthink it. Yes, be prepared to know the lines. Be prepared to know the action. Be prepared to know the history of the character. But be in the moment. And you know how hard that is? I've always told people acting is the easiest and the hardest thing in the world. It is. It's how you, it's how you look at it. I have been a part of a production where I rehearsed for months for a character. Oh, probably like a couple of days before showtime that one of the actors decided that they want to give up and not be a part of it. They couldn't find anybody to fill that role. So they was like, Passion, can you um do this role instead? So you're the clutch player. And I'm like, and you know, I love a challenge. So I'm like, sure. And I'm like, what did I get myself into? But when you know the script, because sometimes people just get the script and they only go over their parts. Go over the entire script so you can know how the story go. What your character mean to the story? Who you talking to? Why are you talking to? Why you even exist in this story? So you look at that for every character. And that's why it was so easy for me to adapt because I already knew that character. And with that, we need to stay tuned as we bite into the passion fruit. You see the passion? <laughs> you hear all these, these things about passion. I, I just love your name and passion fruit. So Thank get ready. You so You're gonna hear, yeah. The succulent passion fruit head first as we talk about PSA's most passionate project so far, which we have to do with love, controversy, and of course, dripping with passion mm. did you like the james Earl voice you know do you like that yeah yes yes <laughs> <laughs> but as always if you feel like commenting and listening to more of this podcast remember to subscribe to cinema pathway podcast on your favorite podcast platform and visit our online store at paradoxicalfilms.com slash store that is paradoxicalfilms.com slash store. Please buy stuff so we can have more of this beautiful podcast to give to you and get into your Cinema Pathway gear and follow us at Instagram at cinema underscore pathway underscore podcast. Again, that is cinema underscore pathway underscore podcast for all the behind the scenes photos and more. We will be right back with passion. Welcome to Tell Your Story. It is a masterclass hands-on workshop that is presented by Cine Video Tech and brought to you by Paradoxical Films. You will learn how to work with actual film, 16mm, super 16mm, 35mm, and film cameras. In addition, how to load them and change magazines. Furthermore, the workshop will prepare you on how and what it takes to work on set. 
as a first or second assistant camera, the fundamentals of lighting, and the pathway to become a director of photography. For information about the classes and updates, join us next year. Everything will be posted on our website at www.paradoxicalfilms.com slash tell your story. Welcome back, film family, as we intensify the passion, as we talk about the provocative films and the spicy stories from Miss Passion, Pisse, Roosevelt, morning and make it a little hot in here. Are you hot? Oh, my God. (laughs) I need some cold ice and water. (laughs) Now, naughty or nice, love and sex edition, the love experience and release me are all works that Passion has either acted in or directed in or was a part of. And I'm sensing a recurring theme here, right? Intimacy and passion. Intimacy and passion are so important, but they're also very delicate subjects in the acting world, right? You never want to take it too far, where you make the actors uncomfortable, and you never want to pull back from it so you see the realism in it, right? Now, as an actor, how do you prepare to be part of a love scene? Now, remember, it could be kissing, rubbing, or more in front of an entire crew of workers, watching your every move, and then having to do it again and again. How do you prepare for that? You ask me, how do an actor prepare or how do I myself prepare for it? As an actress, how did you prepare for this? For one, I have to be confident in who I am. I have to be confident about my body. I have to be confident of my mental and emotional because sometimes you could get involved in a love scene and you're emotionally so attracted to the person that now... Or you, this, or you could fake it really good on camera. Let's just put it right, out Right, you know what I'm saying? You start kissing this person like it's your actual mate. Mm. No, don't do that. Oh, don't Not, do that. No, you don't do it. You want it to be real, but you don't want to overwhelm that actor. So it's boundaries. So I set myself up, whomever my co-star, I let them know, ask them what's their limits. If we're kissing, do you like the pet kiss? Do you like the uh, French kiss? The tongue. Uh, uh, can I grab your head? Can I grab your face? Can I hold your hand? Can I bring you in close to me? So I ask them what are their limits. So my, majority of the time, you know, I'm going to just throw it out there. Guys, throw it out there, please. Guys be like, I'm down for whatever. Uh- <laughs> I'm down for whatever. Let's just go. Let's just do it. Respectfully, right? But, you know, I still let them know that we're doing this for a scene. And it has to look real. We don't want to just throw something out there to look like, oh, yeah, they're they're either having sex or he's touching her or whatever. Like, I remember for my Release Me trailer, it was a part where me and the guy who was playing my boyfriend, he was trying to touch my breasts and everything. He wanted to have sex with me, but I didn't want to have sex. This is is what the character's going through. Yeah. So. But he was ready. He he just wanted to get in there. Now, mind you, I had to let him know. In real life, I like my breast touched, but I had to realize he's going to touch my breast, but I can't enjoy it because the character don't want him to touch her. So that was like, oh, my God, how am I going to be able to do this? Because that's the, one of the things I like doing, but she has to stay in character. So therefore, I had to take my mind somewhere else. I had to pretend like this is somebody who I would never want to touch me. He's not my man. He's not my boyfriend. This is probably like your husband's friend or 
a family member or whatever. So you looking at it like uh, my uncle touching me. Oh, don't do that. So let's just put it out there. This is not porn. This no, is artistic no, no. work. So when this you do a love scene work. in a movie, yeah. right? it's not gratuitous and it's not wrong because right. God made sex and we know that sex is a real thing. Right. Now you have to respect the person's work, mm-hmm. the direction of the character, and I just take it as a free-for-all. Right. Have you had an experience where a director or an actor crosses that line and says, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this as a moment to enjoy myself, like, disrespectfully? Because we have to warn people, but it's it's a real thing out there. It's absolutely a real thing, and I have Everyone been pay in... attention. Seriously, this is happening to you. Speak up and say something. Go ahead. Correct. I have been on a few um, productions, not even just one, where you have either actors taking advantage of other actors, or you have directors taking advantage of actors, or you just have anybody else on a set. Oh, or you mean like a, a director hitting on taking somebody. Taking on other people. And if you're not in the room, you don't know what's going on. So if I'm going to just say, if I'm an actor and I'm fresh in the game and a director is telling me you have to take your shirt off and it's only me and him in the room and we're rehearsing and I'm fresh in the game, I'm thinking this is what I have to do. You know what I'm saying? It's been situations that if you are brought on a production, know your part first. If your part saying that you're going to have a love scene, but it don't say it's a nude love scene. So why are we rehearsing in a nude? Oh, that's terrible. And that's happened. You've known people it's happened to before. I haven't been in the room, but I have been told about it after afterward. You know what I'm saying? And it happens so it's easy, especially like I was just saying, especially when it's with people that's not as advanced in the acting world. They fall for it. And then you have some actors who feel like I want to get a bigger role. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to even hit on a director so I could get a bigger role. Guys, never sell out that way. The integrity of your work, the integrity as a person is way more important. That's the treasure. Don't give that up, guys, just because you want to move up in this industry. First of all, that's not the way you should do it. And at the end of the day, if you look yourself in the mirror, who are you going to be looking back at? Someone who sold their soul to get to where they're at? Or someone who who got it through honesty and integrity. This is so important. I'm sorry. Now not the passion is coming out of me because this is something <laughs> I hear all the time. And it's so sad right. what people will do just to get a role. And we let's talk real. In every industry, it doesn't matter if it's film. But I think it's especially prominent in the film world because there's so many people out there to choose from. Meaning they could drop you at a drop of a hat. And I'm on to the next person or the next person, you know, very expendable. So people feel like their value, it's almost like a commodity that has to be sold. If I don't sell my value now, I'm never going to make it. No, if it's if that role is meant for you, if you were meant to move up in that industry, whatever, do it the right way. And, and in the right timing, going to happen for you. If I can't do it, I'm, I need for you to go ahead and call them other people so they could get that role. I want to feel confident in myself knowing that my talent got me in a door knowing that my talent is what was being showcased not because of the things that I was doing behind the scene to get that I never want to feel like I'm watching a movie and, and instead of me enjoying the movie I'm reliving everything that I did just to get that part you it know what I'm saying it. and it that's why it. that's why when we're on the set, you know, because as an acting coach, I also have to be an intimacy coach as well by showing showing some of these people how to have their actual sex scenes. And 
I have been on a set where the girl is like, where's passion? I need her in the room. Cause I'm always in the room and they was ready to film. And I think I was outside doing something else with another act coaching, another actor. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I'm not ready to film till passion get in the room. Wow. And we make sure everybody get out of the room. If you're not somebody that's holding the boom mic, you're not doing with the lighting, you're not the director. You know, we make sure if you're not needed in that room, get out, get out. So get guys. out. We even make the um, mate like say, for instance, if it's a female, her husband can't even be in the room because you know why? Once he see another man touching his woman a certain way, you don't know what he going to say or what he going to do, even though he know it's not real. So he can't even be in the room. And we make make sure that all movements, if movements are not needed, we're not going to do it. If we're only showcasing the the waist up, we don't need him to be grabbing her butt or her grabbing him and everything. We could use that for the next shot. So it, it is very intricate of what we do when it's dealing with the sex scenes. And yes, you do want to practice. You do want to practice because you want to know how this person is going to feel on top of you. Or you want to know how this person is going to feel when they rub against your, your butt. I was saying to saying to you earlier that, you know, um, like I was saying, but I like my breast touch in real life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But, you know, when you're showcasing some stuff on a film, you have to ask yourself, do I supposed to be enjoying this or do I supposed to be reserved a little bit? So know your character, know what your character is supposed to be doing in this sex scene. If your character is supposed to be all in, know how to go all in without really letting somebody go in, if you know what I mean. Yeah, we have to be, you have to protect. The, the other person, the other actor, you know, this is actually a physical thing. Remember, there's STDs. Those things right. are real. So you never want to put yourself right. in danger just because you want to secure that. Your health, your mental attitude, and on top of everything, your dignity, your integrity are the most important thing. Right. And if you're not doing this for the film, then don't do it. And make sure you sign a contract and be careful when you sign contracts, because if this contract states that uh, there's nudity or even have nudity, you can't say, oh, I wasn't told that I was going to be new. The contract stated that, you know, so you can't get mad and say, no, I don't want that film to come out because I'm new. Be careful with what you agree to. Read everything. Read, read, read everything. everything. I know and, it's boring. Nobody really likes it. But right. do it because it could save your life. Exactly. Now, I know this little term about this intimacy coordinator. Let me know about that. So she is the person or he is the person that gets you in the mindset of doing a love scene? How does that work? Uh, For one, you know, like, I'm going to tell you what I like to do. I like to take both of my characters. It just be me and them two. We go in the smallest room. So if, we, if we're if we on set and it's probably like a bathroom, I want us to go in that bathroom. I want y'all to just stand face to face, stare at each other, give compliments. Let him know what you like. I'm going to do it with you. Okay. I love your eyes. Now give oh. me a compliment back. Man, I love your eyes too. Ooh, your voice is so seductive. Man, I love your voice too. Ooh, look at your lips. I love your skin. It's beautiful. You know what I'm saying? So that, it starts wow, making- Wow, I even felt that just for five <laughs> minutes. My goodness. You know what I'm saying? So you start really letting your guards down and you start pulling towards each other. Next thing you know, your hands are already grabbing the person, but you didn't tell yourself, I'm going to grab her hands. It's automatically happening for real. So now the chemistry- is happening on its own. 
but it's choreographed because but you're getting the person it's, it's the mindset of it. choreographed because you want to say, okay, at the end of this scene, you all end up in a kiss. So how are we going to get there? It's a it's a beginning, middle, and end. The end is we end up kissing. But how do we get there? That's that's the story right there. Just in these little two minutes, how do we get there? It's a beginning, a middle, and an end. Wow. You're making me look at uh, intimacy in a totally new light. And let me tell you, I love watching love scenes in films. I really, I really love it. I give respect to the actors who are married, that their partners are cool with it. Because I'm going to tell you that, hey, it's an extra check, too. Uh, Whenever you do any kind of <laughs> any kind of nude or anything that implies nudity, yeah, the, right. the check goes up. Because yes. it's your body. It's the yes. treasure. But I, I love when um, the mates are secure with whom they are and who they mate is. And they even enjoy watching their mate being an intimate scene when you know you could go on set like that, knowing that your partner is this is secure in your relationship. It gives you the freedom to be that character and to really engage in the love scene. Well, this is a perfect. Whew. Anyone else hot? <clears throat> um, no, yeah. be honest, because if, no, you, if you had a mate it. and you know your mate not going to really want to see you touch it, you're not going to perform well because you're going to have it in your head. Oh, let me not tug on her lips because my wife or my husband is going is gonna to have a problem with it. So, Barbados, this is art. This, this is, is art. Not and, just... if you, and if you can't be all in, don't accept the role. Do it with passion or not at all. Do it with just passion like or not at all. Because if, if people don't feel the passion throughout the screen, then they're, they're automatically going to check out. Doesn't I want to feel like y'all y'all been in a relationship forever. If the movie said y'all been married for 10 years and now it's y'all love scene, mm. y'all better perform that scene like y'all been together for 10 years. Wow. I mean, that's definitely because uh, I know some married people <laughs> don't have, have sex maybe once a year. So I get it. Right. <laughs> so right. it all depends on your character. <laughs> yeah, we didn't do anything. Yeah, that's our sex life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. But we love each other. Yeah, we sure do. Now, I think this is perfect time to bring this. Okay, Uh-oh. the game called the Hot Spots. Dun, 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 dun. Basically, a series of questions where all we do is ask you higher, higher degree questions. You know, questions that are um, they're intended to raise the temperature in mm. your mind and your body a little bit. Are you ready? Oh, Miss I stay ready. Pas- oh, even the way she said that. I'm like, <laughs> oh my goodness, you guys feel that in the studio? Okay, well. This is the 100 degree question. Can I tell the truth? Yes. Nothing but the truth? Yes, all the truth. That's what we want in this podcast. Yes. We want rawness and truth. If you're not going to say the 100% truth of passion, get out. Get out. Number one, were there any actors that crossed the line or the film of Release Me or any other works that you've been in and how far did they cross that line? Cross the line. No. You can always say, you can always skip. No, because... Um, those are all my productions, and I'm very respectful of either the parents, the mates, their kids, or whatever. But I do, on my applications, I do ask them how far are they willing to go. Mm. It don't mean we're going to go there. I just make sure in ahead of time that I know that that person is willing to go that far. Ooh, okay. Yeah. 140 degree question. Are you ready? Yes. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. You like my little thing? Yes, I do. Dun, 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 dun. All right. Release me. 
is a successful play you worked on which captured the struggles of limited employment for ex-felons. If you had the power to release members of the film community who you believe were wrongly accused of a past controversy, who would you forgive and why? Yeah, it's a little hot. It's a little hot in here. Like I told you. Uh, the interview might just end right here. People might just turn it off right here. Whatever you're comfortable. But, oh, God. Say it. <laughs> Say it passion and say it with passion. And you know, and, and the reason why is I'm limit I'm not limited, but I'm really restrained from saying this question. is because I wasn't in the room. I don't actually know what went down. But to me, it just seemed like it's too many stories. And sometimes people So who? Bill Cosby. Ooh. Okay. So you would forgive him. I would forgive him because for one, sometimes and it's in real life. Say it. People let you do what they're willing to do at times because they looked at him like he was a high archery um, person. Did I say that word right? So basically, if, if I if I get with this guy, I might get certain perks in this industry. Right. And then some of them might have been legit where right. they really were uh, drugged. or. And the truth is you weren't in the room. So right. you really don't have solid evidence. Exactly. And I think it's very important because I think a lot of actors are demonized in this industry because of a hidden agenda. Yes. They want this actor. They want this certain person out of the way yes. so they'll make up some kind of lie right yes. that sounds like it could be the truth you know but they slip that lie in there exactly right so the truth is until you know the person is guilty don't deem them guilty in your mind right. how many people right now what if you got into a controversy all of a sudden you became this major actress which I know you're going to be one day you win an Oscar all of a sudden someone from release me says oh yeah she violated me you know that's not the truth right but then a whole bunch of people who don't like you get into a room Start. they conspire mm -hmm. hey if I pay you a certain amount of money mm -hmm. would you testify against this woman because of whatever the case may be I like that answer and the reason why I also say that because this happened to me too when I used to drive um, the county bus metro bus we used to have a young guy who used to flirt with all the girls yeah. and all the girls like. But then we had an older guy who did mm. the same thing. They didn't like it when he did it. But they was cool when the younger guy did it. They're doing the exact same thing. But you're you're willing to receive it from one person. Hypocrite. Exactly. And I think that's what happens in the industry where they're cool with it until somebody else does it. Then now you cross the line. But you opened yourself up for that unless it was actual rape mm. and you were saying no then that person is dead wrong for that thank you and it but, was and consensual then if you tell me if you tell me oh this happened multiple times i need proof now i'm not trying to say that you're you're wrong right and of course this is a, a traumatic thing and right. nobody wants to go through this right, exactly but if you're not 100 percent honest and truthful about it and right. you can give me solid proof mm-hmm that's not right. Right. Because this is a person's career. This is a person's right. livelihood. This is a person's, this is the rest of their, this can follow them for the rest of their exactly. life. So before you open your mouth, be 100% sure that you're saying the truth and nothing but the truth. Right. So help me God. So help me God. And if the person have done that, then God would make sure they have their day. And you know how many people right now who are felons who probably don't deserve to be there because someone falsely accused them? Exactly. That's why I like Release Me. Yes. Because it's honest. Yes. And with that, we are, and I was going to give you a 200 degree question, but I'll save that question for the next part of the podcast. You All right, you got to do it. I don't know why we're doing ASMR now, but uh, since you're here in the studio, it kind of feels real. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, please stay tuned as we bite into more of this succulent passion fruit, which is passion 
Pise Roosevelt. But as always, if you feel like commenting and listening to more of this podcast, remember to subscribe to Cinema Pathway Podcast on your favorite podcast platform and visit online store at paradoxicalfilms.com slash store to get all of your Cinema Pathway gear and follow us on Instagram at cinema underscore pathway underscore podcast for all the behind the scenes photos and more. We would like to take a moment to thank our partners who helped make this podcast possible. Cine Video Tech has been providing film equipment, training, and services to the film industry both inside and outside the U.S. since 1968. M2 Films, which provides directing, writing, and assistant director services, and ComTV offers consulting and production services for a wide range of entertainment, marketing, advertising, and commercial projects. Welcome back, film family. It's not the color purple. It's the color of passion today in this podcast. I was talking to acting coach, director, life coach, filmmaker, and sickle cell disease survivor, passion, Pisa Roosevelt. Please take another bow. Please take another bow. Honestly. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we are seriously getting passionate about some jarring topics in this industry. We don't aim to make you uncomfortable, but if the following topics stir something inside of you that make a positive change, then God is good, right? Yes. C is for compassion, and as a sickle cell disease survivor, I'm sure you're no stranger to adversity and unfairness in this industry, right? Correct. All right. What is the cruelest example of injustice you've seen for people that have disabilities in this industry? I'm going to be honest. It yeah. Like, one of my favorite reality shows is Big Brother. Hmm. And they now have their applications open for the next uh, season. So I clicked on on the link to go to the application. It says have to be in excellent, like great shape. And that immediately normally would have shut me down and say, oh, man, I love Big Brother. I want to be a part of it. But they say you have to be in excellent shape. I know once I put that I have sickle cell anemia, on the application, they're going to automatically decline my application. So it's stuff like that. I that mean, but they haven't, so you never know. But I well, get what you're you, saying. You, you know, uh, it's just it, like I was happy that this last season that they had their, their first hearing impaired um, person on there, Matt. So it made me feel like, you know what, God, I'm going to still just fill out the application yeah. because you never know. I might be the first person that has an actual disease on there. Or I might be the first person that could represent sickle cell on that show. So I think sometimes, even though when we see that certain productions or whatever discriminate or say they don't discriminate, but they really do, even though they have it where they're not looking for people in wheelchairs or on crutches or a broke foot or amputees or whatever, still apply for it because you never know. They might you might get in the room and they might love your aura so much or love your talent so much that they're willing to adjust their script just for you. See, this is important. You're saying this because I know let's talk honest. Let's Mm -hmm. be straight shooters. Right. Let's Mm -hmm. not pull any punches. When you're casting something, not you specifically, but other directors, right? Right. I'm pretty sure that that's the first thing. They're like, oh, I don't want this. I want right. this actor or actress to be perfect health, perfect shape, perfect looks, perfect this, perfect voice. The The list goes on. Right. Let's be really honest, right? Right. But you don't realize that 
if that person has a disability, they've had to struggle more, right? Exactly. So they have more of a story. Exactly. So they have more of a journey. Right. So they probably have way more to add to that role than you would have ever thought before. Right. Because if you're perfect and everything, and everything, you grew up in this wonderful family and nothing uh, tragic ever happened to you, you never had to go through that major adversity in life, then what are you really bringing to the table? Not saying that you have to have a disability, but not to discount people with disabilities because the strength and resiliency they get just from that is probably exactly what you're looking for. Right. I mean, even this, this, this uh, headphones are starting to get off my ears because, you know, <laughs> I, I feel the passion, right? But it's, let's be honest. Let's mm-hmm. be really honest, especially as actors, especially as directors, as writers, producers, right? We automatically count ourselves off if we have anything that is not up to the societal norm of what people look for. And that is a really sad and and terrible thing because there's so much talent out there that could be held and nurtured. And people like you, instead of discounting that person, say, you know what? No, they don't have what it takes or they don't have what I need for my production. You bring that out of them. You look past their disability and you use it as a plus, not a minus. And that's exactly what Juliet Romeo had taught me and what you're teaching me now in the studio, because I would have never known you had sickle cell disease unless you said it. Right. I don't walk in a room and just say, "Okay, let me announce everybody. I have sickle cell anemia. I don't do that because for one, I don't like the 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 pity that everybody started giving me. Oh, here, here you go, chair. Make sure you have a seat. Do you do you need anything? Is it too hot in here? Is it too cold in here? Do you need something to drink? Oh, we have we have fruit over here or whatever. I don't be wanting all that. Treat me like how you treating everybody else on your cast. Mm. Don't treat me no different. Now if I come to you and I say, can you please just make sure you have some Gatorade on set for me? Like that's one of the main things when I get hired to direct, produce or cast director, act or whatever, my request is that you have some Gatorade. People always say, no, you're not supposed to drink Gatorade. You don't know what I need the Gatorade for. Thank you. Don't if, assume. If I'm asking you, I, I need some Gatorade or tell me I'm not going to be able to have Gatorade, I would bring my own. Hmm. But those those are the things that I like to, to do. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I do like to tell uh a higher person that's on a production that I have that because just in case they do see me leaning against the wall, they know that I'm not just being lazy. It's I'm in some type of pain and I just need to press against the wall right quick. Or if you see me sitting down, just give me a couple of minutes. Trust me. Once I get back up, I'm going to be ready to go. You know, so I do tell them. So if they see me doing that, they'll understand. I have worked, um, I think it was last year. Um, I had worked on a, a play and um, the person know that I have sickle cell and I love the person with all my heart. But it was that one time I was sitting backstage and I was doing my job, doing my job yeah. exactly how I was supposed to be doing it. But I had a chair that I was sitting in and then it was because I had then asked other people because these people, once they got on that stage for that one scene, they didn't have no more scenes. And they want to be involved. And I was like, okay, I tell you what, help me with the props. 
You know what I'm saying? You get the props for this scene. You get the props for this character or whatever. We had an organization going on. This was also helping me because for some reason that day, Secret Cell was hitting me hard. Mm. But I, you know me, I, I like to still just push, push, push. I don't like to sit there and yeah. soak in it. So I'm pushing through. And then they on the director said, why are you sitting in the chair? And I was like, oh, but everything's flowing. Everything's going good. And then they was like, no, but I need you up and I need you to go do this. And I was like. So he was discriminating against you just because you had to sit down a few times, even though the job was getting done 100%. Yeah, the job was being done. So then when I got up and I went to go get the props, I came back. The chair was gone. And I said, now, mind you, it's, it's a whole bunch of actors and other production people standing right here. And I said, who moved the chair? And they said, I moved it because I need you on your feet. I'm not going to embarrass or be confrontational with a a person that's the uh, the highest person on on board in front of everybody else. Hmm. So I stood there in pain and still did my job. When I when I was driving home, I was in so much pain. I was like, God, just get me home. Just get me home. I was in tears because I'm like, how could they? See, that's discrimination. And that's what we need to avoid. First of all, God sees everything. That's number one, <laughs> right? But I don't think I don't think at the time the person was thinking, oh, it could be her sickle cell because I didn't actually say that. Yes. But this person know me to be a vibrant person, mm-hmm. a person that could move, a person could do things. My thing was, if the job was still being done, what was the purpose of the chair being moved? Because everything was still moving. It wasn't like the show was slacking or moving slow. Everything that you told me was in my responsibility was getting done. Exactly. And see, that's the kind of thing that I want to avoid and I want to warn people. If you're listening to this podcast and even though you may not have been mean-spirited in your actions, what you did was wrong because every single person, whether it's an actor, whether it's a director, whether it's a light person, whether it's a backstage person, they all are human beings just like you and I. And we all have certain limitations, Right. right? So number one, you speak up next time and say, hey, I have this. But I'm pretty sure you were, you were scared. You know, you're like, I don't want to be taken away. But number two, people need to be compassionate to each other right. on set. Right. In life in general. Right. So if you're one of these people, please think twice and be considerate of the person because you don't know what they're going through. Exactly. Now, this is another disparity and discrimination that we see in the industry now. And it's pay disparities. I don't know if you know about the current thing with Taraji P. Henson. Yes. And she came out. Yeah. All right. Now, we know her as the star of Color Purple, and she is an Oscar award winning, well, nominated actress. Right. And she kept saying that she wanted to quit acting because her pay didn't match her talent level. Right. Now, I understand this, and I'm not bringing rice, but we have to go there, right? A white actress in the same category with the same amount of accolations and and the same resume is being paid 10 times more than you? Sometimes less. Sometimes they have done less stuff. Yeah. Have you ever experienced pay disparity in this industry? Um, Or do you know someone who has experienced pay disparity? Because this is really important. Remember, this is people's livelihoods. This is what they eat on. And if we keep devaluing our people or anyone's work, 
just because we feel like we can get away with it, that's wrong as well. Right. People need to get paid what they are deserving to get paid. Right. I wouldn't say that I actually had to experience that because regardless of what number is on that check, you always going to feel like you deserve more. Mm. So, but could, could productions um, give out more? Yeah. They sure can. If not, I feel like, why are you doing it? Like, don't get me wrong. You have productions where people aren't getting paid at all. That's because they want to hurry up and get the story out there. They want to shine or whatever. But you knew that before going in. But Remember, this before, is a contract. Before going in. Yeah. But if, nothing wrong with that. We're I, doing and free I also work. think yeah. what happens too is I go and sign my contract for this amount, but then next thing you know, you tell me how much you getting paid, and it's more than me. Even though I signed that contract, I still may be upset. Because why is this person getting paid more than me when we're either equal or I probably have more experience than them? Mm. But 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 because you said this amount to me, because I'm thinking, OK, maybe this is what everybody else is getting paid or I'm trying to look out for you because you're telling me this is what you have to offer. And I go ahead and sign it. But if you're going to be fair have everybody else either get in that same pay or let me know why I'm not worth getting paid more. And don't be greedy. But if I have the talent, if I have the experience, yes. pay me like like you know that. Pay me like you know that. I know what hurts me in the industry. It's not even the pay. It's the discrimination when it becomes the body shaming. Where you where this script could be done if the person is petite or or curvy. They like, no, we're looking for a woman that's in shape. And it's like, why do the script even cause for that? Because you could you could dress a curvy woman up and make her look super nice. Don't limit people. That's it. I understand everybody has their curvy, own vision. You're yeah. you're going to discriminate and say, no, we can't get you could be the first person to start making them look curvy and in the movies. And now everybody want a curvy lead. And like we were saying before, it's all about mindset, right? Right. With the films and with telling your story, you have the power to change the minds of millions of people. Right. Or even one person. Right. And that's a trickle effect, right? It's yes. a domino effect. You change this person's minds. They change their life. They, they, they change their life direction. Yes. They change their goals. Their generations are changed. And all of a sudden, you have these successful, happy, loving families because somebody gave this one person a chance. Yes. And that's why discrimination and, dis- and pay disparities in this industry yes. should be completely done away with. As a- absolutely. Because you're literally taking away their power. You're yes. taking away their livelihood, their life's journey. And you're not thinking about the sacrifices that people even have to make to even be there. Who they had to, their child. Like I have my three girls at home. When I'm, when I'm away, I have to find my, either their dad going to watch them. I'm not with their dad anymore. But it's like, can you watch the girls or my mom? And you know... You look at it like, oh, that's their grandmother. There's their dad. But I want to pay my mom because she don't have to. Even though those are her grandkids, she don't have to. That's not her responsibility. So I want to show her that I appreciate her. I want to be able to put a couple of dollars in her hand. But if I'm not getting a couple of dollars from my work, how can I make her feel appreciated? Exactly. Now, in 1985... The Color Purple was boycotted by the NAACP, right? 
mm-hmm. after being nominated for 11 Oscars, which that's an amazing feat. I don't know any movie right now has been nominated for 11 Oscars. Right. Right. For perpetuating the stereotype that black men are aggressive and violent, which scared away many famous producers and storytellers from producing another work the same way again. Now, in the recent adaptation of The Color Purple 2023, the movie maintained its honest grit and depicted the real lives of African-American men and women in that time, but with a lighter tone. Now, my question to you is, do you think that the portrayal of people of color has maintained its truth in film? And how does the portrayal of African-Americans in your own film compare to that? Um, I feel like with films... A lot of stuff is enhanced, hmm. but I also feel at times that we are afraid to showcase the truth because we feel like other people will not be able to receive it. So I think it's a it's a it's a thin line. It's like, do we go there or or, or we don't? You're always going to offend somebody. Yes. You just have to ask yourself, which risk am I willing to take? You may have an abusive man that's coming on there. Uh, pulling her hair, punching her, hitting her with tires or whatever. That's somebody else's reality. That's their story. That's their story. Gotcha. But you're looking at it like they didn't have to do all that. Yes, That's because did. you haven't lived that. So you don't understand that. It's somebody in that audience that's watching it. Now they in tears because they reliving it because now they they could relate to that. And they like, oh, my God, they told that so real. Hmm. So you have to ask yourself, are you willing to take that risk in um, telling this story? Mm. You know, I always feel, and this is something that I've always had in my, I've felt in my heart. I always feel like people of color, whether it's Latinos, African-Americans, people other than, you know, Anglo-Saxons, I think we're always throughout history, we've always been criticized the hardest mm-hmm. and not by other groups, by our own people. By our own people. It's always, it's never done correctly. Right. Oh, this is too much of this. Yeah. Oh, you stereotype this. Oh, I feel bad about this. It's right. like, it's never ending. Right. Have you ever written something that you felt you were, you were, you were scared of writing this story? Because you were afraid of backlash or being blackballed by the industry. Because this is something that I think many people, there's so many stories out there that haven't been told. I think because of this, because we're so afraid of what people might say. Right. Um, like you brought up earlier with the release me. Hmm. And release me, um, I play I play the mom to, to three kids, uh, a teenage son and two younger daughters. And it's in the part where the son is being disrespectful. Hmm. Uh, at first, I was like, ah, do I want that the, that the mom um, hits him? Mm. And I was like, because I know people are going to be like, oh, you you was abusive. You didn't have to get your message across by doing that. So I talked with the actor and I said, I wrote that she slapped him. But I want to know how you feel playing the son. Do you think that reading this and being in that character and being in that moment, mm. do you think your mother would have slapped you? And he said, absolutely. And that's the truth. And guess what happened? I slapped the mess out of him. Amen. And it was a real slap. <laughs> to actually, I didn't know till later when he went backstage, his nose was bleeding. His nose was bleeding? But he came right back out and did his next scene. That's mm. true acting. I appreciate that because that's authentic. Yes. And you never want to pull away from a story's authenticity and rawness because of your action of the audience or the audience is going to be played for. Right. 
And that's what I think a lot of movies nowadays, we're so worried about politically correct this and that, is that I really feel like we're getting sanitized versions of almost everything. Right. Because we're afraid. How about people stop, and this is a general no, in my opinion, stop being so sensitive about everything. So sensitive. I understand if it's something as personal to you, yes, of course, but- you have to back it up with evidence, number one, Absolutely. that this is somehow disparaging your neighborhoods, disparaging right. your people, and somehow stopping the progressiveness of a certain work of art. Right. That's one thing. But to get in your feelings and say, oh, I don't like the way that this my group of people was portrayed because it doesn't sit well with me. Right. Well, get over it. Right. The story has to be told and it has to be and it has to be told in its full honesty. Because if it doesn't affect you with that kind of passion, how is any change going to be brought about? And you have to understand, you're not the only person in your community that is that way. Or I'm a, feels I'm that a way. black woman, but me and another black woman may not feel the exact same way. So I might not like something, but she may love it. Yeah. And with that, we hope that you hang on to our next section as we talk to Miss passion peace roosevelt as we dive into a little fun game story hour are you, are you are you ready for that yes you ready for the fun games yes. we need to lighten up in this studio because you know the, the passion is <laughs> lord you know my, my heart's racing a little bit with we gotta that, put but... that theme song back on <laughs> exactly <Woo. laughs> and please of course if you feel like commenting and listening to more of this podcast remember to put that passion into action and subscribe to Cinema Pathway Podcast on your favorite podcast platform and visit our online store at paradoxicfilms.com slash store to get your Cinema Pathway gear and follow us on Instagram at cinema underscore pathway underscore podcast for all the behind the scenes photos and more. You ready for this passion, girl? Sure. Yes. The lion and the lioness. There you go. And we don't know who's the lion either. You <laughs> <laughs> <He's> look great. <laughs> I love it. We need to do a movie together. I'm serious. I don't know what. Something together. It has to be a comedy. Something. Something. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, and we hope that you do, we hope, right? Support us by subscribing to your favorite podcast platform and giving us a rating. Then head to our online store at www.paradoxicalfilms.com shop. Again, that's www.paradoxicalfilms.com shop, where you can purchase Cinema Pathway gear, including t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. Also, don't forget, follow us on Instagram at cinema underscore pathway underscore podcast again that's cinema underscore pathway underscore podcast for all the behind the scenes photos and more welcome back film family as we talk to the embodiment of passion on this podcast hour miss passion Pisse Roosevelt. I like the way you say that. Yeah, Pisse. You want some Pisse today? (laughs) (laughs) All right. We have never done this on this podcast before, but we're all about film. We need to know your thoughts on the current topics and emerging trends hitting the film industry and challenging our right to film as we know it. All right? In a segment we are calling Pisse Pass or Pisse Fail. Pisse Pass. Oh, wow. Pisse Fail. That That theme sounds copyright. Don't take it. All right. (laughs) 
Basically, PSA passed if you would put this current issue into the laws of film, meaning you would keep this or PSA fail if you get rid of this altogether. Okay. And why? You ready for PSA pass, PSA fail? Ready, ready, ready. PSA pass. All right. Number one, PSA pass or PSA fail. The continued and developing use of AI-generated content that includes all actors and talents across all genres, which could be film or voiceover. So basically, the issue is AI is being used to replace some actors, but using their voice and likeness to create more works, even when they're not present on the scene. So basically, they'll get your work or your your, your likeness and the way you speak, this one scene. And then they'll literally use a computer to generate more scenes right. without you being present, which right. takes away work from actors, takes mm-hmm. away work from people in right. general. Peace, say, pass, or peace, say, fail? I pass. I mean, I, I, I pass. And the reason why I pass it is because I myself have had my productions where the date of the show, yeah. two of my leads didn't show up. Mm. Had I had something like an AI to step in and take over, I wouldn't have felt like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I would have been panicking and everything because I would have had that security knowing that I have something to step in and take the place of those of those characters that's not there no more. Instead, I had to now gather everybody up and break different scenarios up and give people extra lines and everything. And sometimes you never know now the extra lines that you didn't gave to these actors is now overwhelming for them. Because it was already hard for them to learn the lines that they already have. And now here it is, you're throwing extra lines. So with AI, it gives you that that sense of security, like insurance. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Okay, you threw me off, but amen. That's what we have our... <laughs> I love that. Okay. So in moderation, you in say moder- AI In moderation, is yes. Don't let it take over the entire industry. Yeah, it, I wouldn't put it as a first choice. Got you. It's but- only an insurance just in case. AI for insurance. Yes. I like that. Okay. Number two, PSA pass or PSA fail. Smaller budget films are being debuted online using platforms such as Netflix and Amazon versus debuting traditional big budget films in movie theaters, right? See, we know that most talent strive for big screen commercial success. But one day, you know, those smaller budget films may become the norm. And then those big budget Hollywood monstrosities Maybe something that'd be very rare. Now, PSA pass, PSA fail. Are you for more smaller budget films becoming the majority and the big budget films becoming a minority? I would pass it because especially the majority of my, my personal films that I have done are short films. So I definitely would pass it because... My short films are no different than a future a feature film. Mm. It's just as good. I have just as great actors, and if we put in just as much as time as a feature film, it's just that a feature film you just have longer days that you're on set, and you probably have more characters or whatever. But we still have to follow the same protocol. Wow, that makes sense. All right, so PSA pass. Yes. All right, number three. More social commentary in film. With the emergence of Christian movies depicting today's society, measured by the moral values of the Holy Bible, the emergence of Oscar award-winning movies like Moonlight, which addresses issues with the LGBTQ, LGBTQ, did I say that right? <laughs> LGBTQIA plus 
Okay, all right. And 13, the Netflix original documentary focusing on the intersection of race, justice, and mass incarceration in the United States. There seems to be more social commentary in films than ever. Peace say pass, more films like this, or peace say fail, I've had enough. Had enough. Pass because we're educating people. We're educating people and we're allowing people to see life from somebody else's perspective. Because like like I said, as a black woman, if I'm only watching black films, I'm only going to know about my race. I'm only going to know about black women. But if I watch other other shows that now let me know how a Hispanic mom has to cook the food that she cooks. Saying so now when I go to a restaurant, I want some of that food that I saw her cook on that show. All because I saw the love that she put in the ingredients or whatever or how the um actors when they was pretending, well you know sometimes they eat it for real. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> Every now smaller it, budget. it interests me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And now you could sympathize as well as empathize with people when you see someone crying just because they're not a black woman don't mean I can't go over there because this is a Hispanic man. Mm. What? So social commentary, the use of AI and smaller budget films, right? Becoming yes. the norm. As long as it's being used in moderation, right. it's good. Yes. Don't take advantage of it. Don't take advantage. And, oh, I see that. I'm totally down for that. I like that. Mm-hmm. And most of your films have basically had an element of all three, right? Right. So this is something you would champion for. Yes, I love talking about things that people are afraid to talk about. Oh, like what? <laughs> oh, come on now. You threw that ball. I got to throw no, it right back. I, I do. Like, say, for instance, I have a short film called Mother May I. It's on yeah. YouTube. Uh, mother May I talks about, I play the mother of a son, a grown son, an adult son, and his partner, his business partner is a woman. But the mother, she is so engulfed in her relationship with her husband, with her husband cheating, yeah. that her she looks at her son and feel like there's no way that you could just be a friend to this Ooh. woman. You know what I'm saying? So she thinks that he's cheating. She knows that her husband cheats. And that's controversial because you know that if you bring that to light, yes. people may start looking around them and say, do I have a mother, may I, in this room? Wow. Right, because how many times you didn't see uh, a guy and a woman together, you automatically say, y'all married? Y'all go together? But they're like, no, we're friends. We work together. Y'all work long hours? Mm-hmm, tell me about it. I know somebody didn't cross the line. Right? And it's like, no, this is my this is my friend. This is my co-worker. Like, no, we have not crossed no lines. And that's why I'm making films that accentuate your personal story is so important because you never know who you're speaking to. Right. If you sanitize it and pull back from it, then what are people going to really walk away from? Exactly. They're just going to make money, which is great, but what are they going to learn? Right. And that's why making films is so important because right. it's your, your art stamp in history. Right. How are people going to remember you? Mm-hmm. And ultimately, if your film or your work does not have the passion, number one, and number two, does not at least put a, a new thought in someone's mind, what have you really done? Exactly. You just regurgitate it. And that's why a lot of these movies are, are come back or like remakes of old stuff. When they are carbon copies of something, they fail. Yes. Because people have seen it already. Mm-hmm. You don't have the original person's inflections. You don't have the original person's, uh, they're, they're, the way they, they view the story. Right. And that's why it's important to not sanitize who you are, 
bringing it to the forefront. Correct. Doesn't matter where you grew up, right? I know Carol that's City right. Carol City or that's London, right. you know, Britain, right. and you've had the finest acting in the, in the acting schools ever. There's nothing wrong with that. But each person that I mentioned or each group of people have the exact amount of merit Mm-hmm. and are valid in their own right. Whether you learned it in the streets or at a $50,000 a year school. Exactly. It's all the same. You just have to change your mindset. All right. Now, since I want to put your <laughs> skills to the test, ma'am. Are you ready? Let's go. We want acting coaching on the spot. Since oh, you're acting okay. coaching the okay. stars, I want a free lesson on the mic. Can you give me a free lesson uh, on the let mic? Let me see a free. Can you hook me um, up, please? I'll do it just for the day. I'll PayPal you afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I keep talking about the movie. I really love this movie. The color purple. That's my favorite color. One. And we're both wearing purple, too. Exactly. One of my favorite lines that's probably of the entire movie is when Celie, the protagonist, is is driving away in the car from her, basically her captor, the one who imprisoned her for most of her life and treated, treated her like a slave. Right. She says, I may be poor. I may be black. I may even be ugly. But dear God, I'm here. I'm here now. If I were in an audition situation, obviously that was a woman, but can you give me an audition situation where I'm a man mm-hmm. and I'm saying that exact same thing in a, in a different light? Can you coach me on that? I want the role. Okay, so read it as you audition it for just that, that line right there. I may be poor. I may be That's black. how you will come into the audition and say it? Yeah. Okay. But I want you to be truthful because I'm going yeah. to take you to a higher level. Please. That's so, what I need. I need the coaching. See, so, I'm a very matter of fact person. Okay. You know? Yes, of course, I'm. I can be somewhat dramatic, but- I'm very matter of fact. I tell you how it is. Okay. Hey, I may be poor. I may be black. I may even be ugly. But dear God, I'm here. I'm here. That's how I would do it. Now, can you coach me in a different light? Yeah, I the first you, thing I, I ask you is, if I'm the person that you're talking to, how do you want me to accept that? Because mm. if you're just telling me like that, I may be poor. I'm going to step in and say, okay, yeah, you are poor. How you want me to know that you being poor do not stop you from being the dynamic man that you are? So when you say that line, you're not talking about poor for far as money. You talk about poor with everything in your life. I may not have all the skill set to get this position. I may not know how to, I may only know how to cook by reading the instructions. I may not be able to cook and know how to do it homemade, but I still could be able to feed my family. All right. Look, I may be poor. You're not poor. I may be poor. You're not poor. I may be poor. Why are you poor? Because I'm poor. I may be poor. I may be black. I may even be ugly. But dear, I am here. But you say you ugly. Who told you you ugly? Everyone. Out of everyone who told you you ugly, you don't have to say their name. Which one hurt you the most? <laughs> you got that person? Yeah. Talk to that person. I may be poor. I may be black. I may even be ugly. But dear God, I'm here. And then let me add on this. How as being black have stopped you for getting the things that you desire? I, I may be poor. I may be black. I may even be ugly. Okay. But dear God, I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Now, this is what I want you to do. Say that line to me. Say it. Go back, back, back. I may be poor. I may be black. I may be ugly. But dear God, I'm here. Again. I'm here. I may be poor. I may be black. But I may be even be ugly. But dear God, I'm here. Say it again. I may be poor. I may be black. I may even be ugly. But dear God, I am here. Now I'm say it. here. This time, say it with passion. Look me in my eyes and mean it with your heart. I may be poor. 
I may be black. I may even be ugly, all right? But dear God, I'm here. I'm here. How that made you feel? Because you know what you should be resting in right now? That you are here. Yeah. That the poorness didn't stop you from being here. Being black didn't stop you from being here. And ugly show enough ain't stop you from being here. That regardless of everything that you didn't went through, you could still stand on your toes and say, I'm here. <laughs> I need a drink or something. <laughs> this is too much. I just want to say... PSA fashion, you're the real deal. And it's it's a pleasure having you here. And I, I mean, with that saying, we just said, um, for anybody who thinks that their story or where they came from is gonna limit them from reaching their dreams, don't let it limit you. How can I say this delicately? No, I'm gonna say it with passion, screw it. Just like exactly. I have passion in the room. Say it how I really say it. Anybody who feels that they came from a poor background and came from a, a background that that eliminates them from being whoever they wanna be, please stop that thinking. Change your mindset now. If PSA would have would have would have quit and said, you know what, I have sickle cell disease and I'm gonna die tomorrow. And you know, she's she's laying in her bed and she's waiting for that death, the death is gonna come. Right. Because your mindset already said you're dead. Right. So like you said about positive affirmations, I know it sounds airy fairy and people are like, oh goodness. No, it's true. The minute you change your mindset, you change your environment. The minute you change your environment, you change your opportunities. The minute you change your opportunities, you create opportunities for the people that may be going through the exact same thing you're going through. So the way you speak, the, of course, education is important, just like anything, right? You have to refine and you have to improve what you've been given to. But don't lose the essence of who you are and your story because nobody wants to hear their story on film. They want to understand your story. Have people relate to you and the rest will happen. The rest will, will fall magically into place. Now, um, I need some water. <laughs> and I know that... Uh, <laughs> look, as a single cell survivor, I know one thing that's not emphasized enough is caring for your health, right? right. In this past fast-paced world of film, of pushing yourself to get into anything to elevate our careers, right? I mean, we work very long hours sometimes. A lot of people don't realize that we're on set 12, 16 hours a day. Correct. We audition in harsh conditions. We're destroying our bodies weight-wise just to get in, fit into that one role, right. right? Instead of enlarging the role to fit you, we have to fit their standard, right? Right. People tend to neglect their overall health, whether it's spiritual, whether it's mental. We're talking about physical. Is there something like, I've tried everything. Michael Lottie. I've tried the the shakes. I've tried the protein shakes. I've tried the multivitamin, blah, blah, blah. Is there anything that you could honestly <laughs> suggest? Because first of all, I would 100% take it from you because with sickle cell, you can't play with that. Yes. So you know the best stuff to drink and take. What do you, what would we take on a daily basis? It's funny you asked me that because last year, last summer, my doctor uh, was telling me, oh, you're now borderline diabetic. You have acid reflux. Oh, you now you're obese. And it just seemed like every other week I was going, they just kept on telling me I was this, I was that, I was adding on. And, you know, with me already having sickle cell anemia and asthma, I didn't want to add anything extra. So I was like, I have to do something. So I did a, a watermelon fast and the watermelon fast. I ate just only watermelon for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Nothing else. I either blended it or uh, how you say sorbet, sorbet it, make like yeah, ice yeah, like cream. Yeah, like a little blend juice. Right. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. And I enjoyed that. But then after the 30 days was up, I was like, I lost some weight. I had lost what? 39 pounds in 30 days wow. just by doing the watermelon. Then I was like, okay, what's next? And 
Like you said, I could have either went to the shakes or the supplements or things like that. And I was like, no, I got to be something I could have for the rest of my life that I could do. On a daily basis. And you know, growing up, your parents always told you, eat your fruits and your vegetables. Yeah. Sometimes we don't either, you know, us on the productions, we don't have time to really sit and eat fruits and vegetables. So I was like, I'm a person that I like to have fluid. I have to have, because, you know, with me being sickle cell, they always tell you to make sure you have your fluid intake up. So I was like, I need some juices. And that's when I learned about juicing. And then... And I, on Facebook, I just was taking pictures and videos and showing people that I'm now incorporating juicing in my life. I started having people reach out to me and say, can you make me some of that juice? Because now you're telling testimony that now your acid reflux is gone. You didn't lost weight. Now you're no longer um, borderline the diabetic. What's the juice and it was called? The, and it's the juices. Yeah. And it's the juices. So now, right now, I have I have six different juices. I have a, a green, a yellow, a red, a purple, a coral you know, all different colors. And each one has different things that they do for the body, like the beets, the red. That's good for people who need iron. What's the name of it? I can't tell that just yet. Because I am going to do like a grand... A Unveiling. grand opening with okay. the name and everything. Hey, look out but for those juices. But trust me, it's tied to the to the film world. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. All right, guys. That Filmmakers. The film, the film world, everybody in the film world is going to really enjoy it and appreciate it. Do you hear that film world? <laughs> Miss Passion. If you like the passion in this podcast, you'd love those passionate fruits yes. and juices that she's going to yes. come out with. Look out for that. But before you go, I always have to ask everybody, really think about this for real, okay? Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun. If there's one word that sums up the total of your work so far, what would that be? Uh, one word? Yeah, one word. Live. Okay. How do you wish to be remembered? As somebody who wasn't um, afraid to fail. Webster's Dictionary defines passion as a strong feeling of enthusiasm or excitement, either for something or about doing something. This makes me think, right? There are two parts to passion. There's enthusiasm and there's suffering. When you're making your art in any medium out there, whether it's filmmaking, producing, writing, directing, coaching, acting, or any other facet of talent, ask yourself two things. Number one, does the uncontrollable enthusiasm for telling that story or anything for that matter make you get up in the morning with purpose? If it doesn't get you up in the morning with a purpose, then it's not worth pursuing. Number two, are you willing to suffer for your art? Maybe you have to sacrifice more investment of money, right? Time, overall pay, basically what you get paid, right? Criticism, and ultimately be faced with an array of unexpected challenges, adversities, and setbacks you never imagined possible. After going through all of that, at the end of the day, was it worth it? Passion through a life-threatening disease, pay disparities, and an upbringing that could have taken us all out, and only God knows what else you may have endured, right? Passion, peace, Roosevelt proves that with an endless supply of passion, you will not only make it through, but would have an even richer, deeper, unique, and well-rounded story to tell. And as people whose major passion in life is telling stories through film, isn't that the whole point? If the fiery passion for your work is in any way phony, get out. Because it'll only burn you in the end. But if it's true, keep flaming those those fires of passion, right? Eventually, it will stand the test of time and you will be fulfilled as an artist, knowing that the story was told and your mission on this earth was complete. Long after we are gone, as we've seen in history, a story can live forever, but it is first ignited with passion. Guys, we need to hear your passion. If you want to comment, if you want to say something positive or negative on anything you've heard in this podcast, all we want is 
honesty, guys. We want the truth. But if you can sprinkle that truth a little love, that'd be great. <laughs> Don't slam us online either, Put please. Put some passion on it. Put some passion on it, but, you know, with respect and love. We hope that you remember to subscribe to Cinema Pathway Podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms and visit our online store at paradoxicalfilms.com store to get all of your Cinema Pathway gear and follow us on Instagram at cinema underscore pathway underscore podcast for all the behind the scenes photos and more. And before we go, where can we check you out? Oh, God, let me see. You can check me out because I'm also a motivational speaker. I love speaking to people about, you know, following their dreams, dreaming big and bigger. Any websites, anything specific? As far as my um, motivational speaking, it's just PassionRoosevelt.com. PassionRoosevelt.com. Yes, I speak at schools, events, workshops, colleges, anywhere. Is that where you get everything all encompassed? You get majority. um, That's more of my motivational. I'm trying to find a way to merge the filmmaking um, with that website sometimes I get people to contact me through that website about the filmmaking as well. Passion Roosevelt. Passion Roosevelt. P-A-S-S-I-O-N-R-O-O-S-E-V-E-L-T dot com. Yeah, because there's so many different ways, you know, to, to say Passion <laughs> and Roosevelt. They're like, is that how you say the president's name or something? So Passion Roosevelt Passion Roosevelt is, is my website. And of course, you can follow me on social medias at it's either going to be Passion Roosevelt or Passion Roosevelt with a number one behind it. Nothing more, nothing less. That's on majority um every social media. I don't know if I could plug this or not. I have a plug link. It. I have a link tree where you could go and support me and, and invest in yourself by getting some of my journals that I have on Amazon. I have journals for women in films, you know, regardless if they're a director, writer, producer, or they are the, the engineers, the sound people. What's the, names? Or, uh, what are the names? That one is Women in Films Daily Journal. I have Women in Films Daily Journal. And I have one for actors. It's called the Actors Life Daily Journal. Then I also have on Amazon as well, I have journals for those that's um, either living with sickle cell or know somebody that's living with sickle cell. So I have journals for sickle cell warriors as well. All these journals, you're going to get some manifestations. You're going to get some affirmations. You're going to get a personal letter to yourself. You're going to have some feelings. In all these journals, you will be able to find some affirmations. You will be able to find some manifestations. There's going to be a note to self because sometimes we need to talk to ourselves of course you're going to have some I threw in some fun stuff like you know crossword puzzles you know just to entice the mind at times and then it's also some blank pages because your story no matter if it's made up or if it's the truth it's still your story because whatever you write down on paper can come to life if that means that you want to be the lead a Hollywood film write it down in that journal write down some action steps so I love all my journals I write in on my daughters write in their journals that I provide for them yeah my juices my journals the motivational speaking the acting coaching like i said i normally go to film festivals where i'm an acting coach a master class for the acting acting coaches uh, i travel to um do acting coaching i come on set to do acting coaching i'm all around i'm available for acting directing producing writing like but the main site is passionroosevelt.com yes. you want to get in contact with this yes, lovely that's easier for just it's a contact page on there and you just let me know what what you need and we'll make we'll make it happen guys i hope you enjoyed this podcast with mitch passion peace roosevelt until the next time to our listeners thank you again for joining us in the cinema pathway podcast today 
I'm your host, Michael Angel Malachi. Our producer and director is the lovely Juliette Asson, and our associate producer is Victor Hugo Pereira. The executive producer and editor is Freddie R. Rodriguez. This was a presentation by Paradoxical Films. And please visit our website at www.paradoxicalfilms.com. Again, that's www.paradoxicalfilms.com for more information about today's podcast. And you can also email us if you like at cinemapathway at paradoxicalfilms.com. Again, that's cinemapathway at paradoxicalfilms.com where you can send all comments, suggestions for all future episodes. Lights out!